Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Soul Podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And it's entirely too early for this podcast. Uh, it's true. We're doing this Sunday morning after being up late last night, uh, being elite pro gamers. Yep, that's true. That's what we are. Uh, don't let anybody tell you differently. <coughs> I was about to ask, how are you? And then you began hacking up along i'm doing okay i'm getting over a a sinus infection and there's a lot of drainage drainage yeah uh that movie sucks uh that sucks yeah um i don't know it happens to me quite often um it's like a 50 50 or like a one in three chance i guess maybe of uh me getting a sinus infection right at the start of winter from like using the heater and stuff and mm. and this year i the the coin landed on tails so oof too bad it wasn't miles tails prower yeah let's talk about that absolutely uh i'm so excited i unabashedly love the sonic movie and i'm very into the new trailer for sonic 2 i love jim carrey just like rocking the classic robotnik look that Mm -hmm. he kind of got to at the end of the last movie um tails is there they do the thing where tails is flying the airplane and sonic's on the wing of the plane yeah it's great then knuckles showed uh, up I i recognized the thing from the game and i clapped then, then Knuckles showed up. Uh, it's it's Sonic and Knuckles, and yeah, then... and he, uh, you know, he he threatens Sonic, and uh, he like menaces at him, and like pops the like bones in his hand, like the bendy parts. Oh, what is that called? Um, I keep making this joke. I don't know if you find it funny or not, but uh, yeah, you know, it's okay. But uh, yeah. It's it's game accurate lore for Knuckles because like Robotnik tricks him into being a, an antagonist to Sonic and then they have to reluctantly team up to get the Master Emerald back. Uh, I'm very much here for it. All I want is for Chaos to be the third movie. It's all I care about now at this point. Yeah. What if they do a spin-off movie of Knuckles Chaotix and then the third Sonic movie is The Black Knight or whatever the fuck? I mean that'd be fantastic. I, don't, I mean I don't look, all I want is for fucking Big the Cat to randomly show up and everyone to lose their minds in I both like froggy. in both like sheer awe that they, that Big the Cat made it to the screen and then furious anger because Big the Cat made it to the screen. <laughs> See I actually really like Sonic Adventure, but yeah. I don't think I ever got very far in the Big the Cat storyline because it's ass garbage from a toilet. 
Uh, right. But that game also has like probably one of the most interesting characters in Sonic that like they promptly just dropped and forgot about and never developed, uh, which is the character of E-102 Gamma, mm -hmm. who is a robot that Robotnik made to kill Sonic. But then, like, he became self-aware and decided he didn't want to be evil. And what's that about? Maybe we could get a backstory for him. And then he just kind of, I think, blows up. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, I do remember that he that all of your boss fights were other robots who also were built to kill Sonic. But then yeah, Robotnik your... turns them against you. You had to kill all of your brothers. Mm -hmm. So it's like a tragic, like, Shakespearean whole thing uh it's basically the plot of short circuit uh is this intro long enough yet uh let me look at time record five minutes it sounds good to me okay we've fulfilled our contractual obligations uh let's kick the show off like we do every week with a segment called what's your swill can we please get some alcohol into my mouth he hates these cans stay away from the cans now, Dan, it's Sunday morning and you're, as we established last week, a Catholic boy. Uh, so I assume you have water. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have water. But that, that, me being a Catholic boy, a you're reformed, you're not taking the, boy. the host. I don't, I'm uh, just giving you shit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, now I get what you're going for. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I didn't have my uh, Nilla wafer this morning. <laughs> I didn't have my grape juice. See, I'm pretty sure because like I was raised Presbyterian and we did communion on like Easter and Christmas and that's it. I'm pretty sure they actually use Nilla wafers for mine one time. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I remember um, we were we were Presbyterian. We took it when uh, like they passed around a fucking plate and uh, I'm pretty sure at one point I saw actual like a loaf of bread. Like, but like nice. it was like pre-stuffing. Like, you know how you make stuffing? Like, you chop it up, up, up the bread in like cubes. Like, they had the bread oh, yeah. in like cubes. So you ate actual bread, which uh, was dope. Yeah, I've gotten that before, too. Uh, of course, you know, once it passes into your glottis, it becomes Jesus meat. But mm -hmm. uh, so you're doing uh, God knows what. That's between you and Jesus over there. I'm drinking... Uh, Jim Beam peach with cranberry juice. Uh, I'm hoping for a cough syrup adjacent effect from the alcohol. Makes sense. Now, if I knew uh, before last night at about 10 o'clock that we were going to be recording this early, I might have done a mimosa, but I didn't oh, have go. time to go to the store to get either object. And also, oh, the, fuck. can we start doing brunch recordings, please? OK, I mean, fine. I'll get fucking we'll, we'll we'll roll around like the like the third segment and then we'll fucking, be we'll be mimosa and bloody Mary boys. We'll be fuck. I'll be fucking blitzed on mimosas if that's the case. Hell yeah. All right. Get ready for some uh, midday recordings, everybody. Where, where Dan <laughs> has to eat a big fucking brunch in order to not fucking die. Yeah. Where where we become old white ladies. Yeah. All <sighs> right. Uh, let's get into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. And I'm going to... Uh, 
give you some bad news that you know probably a lot of people think is good news but uh cowboy bebop has been canceled three weeks after its release you did it fanboys i hope you're fucking happy with yourselves it is true i'll never watch your cartoon yeah that kind of makes me never want to watch the cartoon in fact i have the blu-ray because i was like oh it's cheap i'll go get like i have the blu-ray set so i'm like now i kind of want to destroy it and just watch the fanboys cry uh yeah so for context on this uh three weeks uh jupiter's legacy got canceled uh 30 days after its release so if you want to know how bad this flopped in the eyes of Netflix, just remember that Jupiter's Legacy got a longer leash than this. Jesus. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Uh, for even more context, I found this interesting. Uh, so Dan has come up with a dumb stat. It's called median view because I can't think of a better word for it. Uh, but basically it takes uh, how many people view how many millions of hours of uh, a thing was viewed divided by the runtime in hours. So through their first three weeks, uh, I compared seven season one live action English series. Uh, Cowboy Bebop is the only one that didn't hit median views of 10 million. This includes hmm. uh, Turning Point, 9-11 and the War on Terror. Which was about 15 million. Uh, there's a show called Hit and Run that I don't re- remember ever knowing about. Uh, that had more than 10 million. Uh, then of course you have like sex life, which apparently I, I think it had the penis scene. So anyway, how's your sex life? Uh, midnight mass made as massive was massive after a couple weeks. Clickbait was massive after a couple weeks. So it, yeah, it, looking at that stat, uh, and how poorly it reviewed from critics and how much the anime fans didn't want it to exist. Uh, yes, it, it's dead. You killed it. You killed my boy. Look at how they massacred my boy. So uh, it's a shame. We tried. <laughs> we tried to tell you guys, hey, this is actually OK. Like This is actually pretty good. But now everyone's like, oh, so I don't have to watch it anymore, which is true. Uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bother if they're going to cancel it after three yeah. fucking weeks. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, our next story is that Netflix has announced to doom. A site for exclusive interviews, behind-the-scenes footage, bonus features, and more. Yes, there was an event called To Doom earlier this year. No, this isn't confusing. Makes perfect sense, I guess. Uh, I know Casey Moore's a little worried, or maybe a lot worried. I don't want to put too many words in his mouth or too much worry in his mouth. I'll put something else in his mouth. But uh, he, a, a lot of the prevailing thought is that this is going to be the way Netflix releases news going forward. Like they're not going to use, you know, Hollywood reporter deadline, other kind of stuff like that. This is all news is going to be coming straight from Netflix's mouth, which is, you know, not great. Yeah. If that's the case, I I don't know if that's the case or not. I, we have to see, this is like early days who the fuck knows, but yeah. uh, Imagine if, you know, Cowboy Bebop got canceled and then no one knew about it because Netflix refused to report on their own cancellations. Yeah, that would be weird. So, yeah, uh, 
we'll see, I guess. We're, we're taking a wait-and-see approach, but who the fuck knows with this? But uh, I just wanted to point out, again, that they have another thing called Too Dumb. That's Too Dumb, man. All right. So Kevin Feige, the steward of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has confirmed that Charlie Cox is being cast as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil. Uh, there's no announcement of when or where or how he will show up. Spider-Man but, No Way From uh, Home? He's, no way home? he's officially... Yeah, maybe. Uh, he's officially on board, though. No word about... Uh, God, why can't I remember names? It's uh, Sunday morning. This is Nafrio, Debran Wall, John Bernthal. Yeah. Debran Wall was the one I was searching for. Uh, there's a rumor going around that she's next to be confirmed. Nice. But yeah, this is uh, this is your backdoor from the Netflix into the MCU universe. I, I would guess Luke Cage if, when. Yeah, Luke give Cage. Give me, give me Iron Fist with chi bullets. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. also uh, no Finn Jones, please. Thank you. Make it Finn Wolfhard. I, I don't care who you make it, just anybody with actual <laughs> charisma. You know, if the MCU goes long enough, eventually Finn Wolfhard's going to be a superhero in there. Oh, God. Have people figured out that he's not a very good actor yet? No. Just like. Dustin, everyone knows he's not a good actor and we've already moved on from him. Basically, now he has to do fucking prank encounters or whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that'll bring us into downstream. Baby, I can't control the Internet. Uh, our first trailer this week is for Munich, the Edge of War, based on the international bestseller by Robert Harris. It is autumn 1938 and Europe stands on the brink of war. Adolf Hitler is preparing to invade Czechoslovakia and Neville Chamberlain's government desperately seeks a peaceful solution. With the pressure building, Hugh Legat, British civil servant, and Paul von Hartmann, German diplomat, travel to Munich for the emergency conference. As negotiations begin, the two old friends find themselves at the center of a web of political subterfuge in very real danger. With the whole world watching, can war be averted, and if so, at what cost? Uh, spoiler alert. spoilers that <laughs> no, it can't be averted. Uh, that's true. In select theaters in Canada in January and on Netflix, January 21st. Oh, I must have pulled a Canadian trailer. OK, so here, the, the fun thing that Netflix did this week was they released three versions of the Munich trailer on their YouTube channel. I wish I was kidding. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, uh, could be OK. It's it's a 1930s set spy thriller. I don't know if those are any good. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, next up is the trailer for the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. For heartbroken Anna, played by Kristen Bell, every day is the same. She sits with her wine, staring out the window, watching life go by without her. But when a handsome neighbor, Tom Riley, and his adorable daughter move in across the street, Anna starts to see a light at the end of the tunnel. That is, until she witnesses a gruesome murder. Or did she? The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window premieres January 28th only on Netflix. Now, I've seen a lot of people online bitching about this. This is satire. This is obviously satire. 
just just please get it get the joke i know there are a lot of well also there are a lot of people being like i can't believe netflix is making fun of their own thing and it's like have you watched any netflix shows because half the time they are making fun of themselves like what are you what are you talking about mainly they're referencing woman in the window but it's like hey this genre has been around long before that like like yeah you know Alfred Hitchcock's rear window exists. You, are you aware of the grandfather of the genre? And like the girl on the train or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Just because Netflix, Netflix has a movie in every genre. Then ma- making a movie that satirizes a genre doesn't mean like, oh, no, Netflix is making fun of themselves. This is how they this is the quality they think of their movies. No, they don't fucking care. All they, all they care is that people watch their shit. Yeah. Uh, speaking about caring about shit and watching it, uh, we got the official trailer for Cobra Kai season four. Every legacy, every rivalry leads to this, uh, leads to this on this video's description is a complete sentence capitalized and punctuated. Uh, so somebody needs to be fired. Cobra Kai season four premieres globally December 31st, only on Netflix. For people who've been living under a rock, I guess there's a description of what Cobra Kai is on here. Uh, It takes place 30 years after the events of the 1984 All-Valley Karate Tournament with the continuation of the inescapable conflict between Daniel LaRusso, played by Ralph Macchio, and Johnny Lawrence, played by William Zabka. Season 4 finds the Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang dojos joining forces to take down Cobra Kai at the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament, and whoever loses must hang up their gi. As Samantha and Miguel try to maintain the dojo alliance and Robbie goes all in at Cobra Kai, the fate of the valley has never been more precarious. What tricks does Kreese have up his sleeve? Can Daniel and Johnny bury their decades-long hatchet to defeat Kreese? Or will Cobra Kai become the face of karate in the valley? Uh, not the last one. Oh, yeah, definitely not. There, there's no... Well, actually, that'd be a hell of a twist. It's if Cobra Kai won, and then... You know, that'd be great. I, I would love that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So the big news here is they finally officially revealed uh, Terry Silver. He's back. He was the villain in Karate Kid 3, uh, who was the hilarious guy in like the jacuzzi bathtub with an old timey like rotary phone yelling about dumping, dumping. You got to dump the chemicals in the reservoir, kill the kids while chomping on a big cigar and sipping a brandy. Uh, he's the snidely whiplash of this universe. It's amazing. I can't wait. I'm gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, again, but I will say this fucking better. Last episode better be the fucking tournament. The last couple episodes better be the fucking tournament. Cause if this season is just a build to the tournament, I'm going to be mad. Yeah. I want true. this fucking tournament. I've been waiting since season one, which, you know, I watched maybe, uh, 15 months ago. Yeah, for the first time. I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Boom, 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 boom. Mike Tyson punches Zach Galifianakis in the face. You remember the hangover? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that happens. They should call him Flores. All right. Uh, any quick hits for you this week? <laughs> I do. Uh, I have one. Uh, it's called Seven Prisoners. This is, I believe it's going to be Brazil's submission for best foreign language Oscar. 
this stars people. Uh, I don't know who, who they are. Uh, I just know uh, what a good movie. Uh, so this is basically the story of like four kids from this town who get this job offer in uh, Sao Paulo and then get taken to Sao Paulo where a man basically holds them against their will uh, and is like, hey, uh, here are all these ridiculous charges that I could come up with that, you know, uh, that, that I got you here for, like room and board, like room and board, uh, food, the advance I gave your family, the travel, uh, room and board for this uh, hovel that they basically they live in a room with a, a fucking jail cell door with bunk beds uh, and disgusting looking mattresses. Uh, he it's it's like three grand. So, you know, the price of a, a small apartment in San Francisco where you have to cram four people in. Uh, and then one kid's like, look, I got an idea. I'm going to get us out of here in six months. And then it's about how uh, basically it's an allegory for like middle management and how, uh, you know, the, the working class uh, vilifies middle management because middle management is just trying to trying to live and they're doing a little bit better. But then you got the fat cats ch- chomping on their cigars, be like living large. And then middle management's like, hey, uh, I'm doing a little bit better than you guys, but I, I want to make sure everyone does well here. And they're like, fuck you, middle, middle management, you fucking piece of shit. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to give too much away because I legitimately think everyone should watch this. Uh, it is 90 minutes, Gerald. Yeah, Gerald. I said that I liked it, and Gerald's like, cool, I'll never watch it. And I wanted to fucking stab him to death. Somebody's got to. But yes, uh, uh, I will recommend it so highly that I will give it a four, a four out of five. Yes, it's one of the best movies on Netflix this year. It's that good. Nice. I finished uh, the first batch of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean episodes that they came out with. There you go. Uh, so much to my chagrin, this wasn't the full full series. They're doing the thing that they do where they just release them in batches. So uh, it's 12 episodes, so it's like you know, a considerable arc, but, uh, highlights the, uh, intro music and like intro scene are fucking awesome. Uh, they're back to like the 3d animated intros and Mm. like it, it just, it has a really cool aesthetic. The song's really good. I like it. Uh, Jotaro Kujo is back and does cool things. Oh, Oh no. They change his aesthetic every time he shows up, but like he's he's there for a bit. Uh, somehow he looks younger, even though this is like 20 or 30 years after Stardust Crusaders. Sure. Uh, I, I don't like how you went from, hey, the intro music's a bop to, hey, this random character is back. No, nah, I mean, I don't know. Jotaro is like most people's favorite Jojo. Like, okay. I don't know. People like Stardust Crusaders a lot, but uh, he's cool. He's a cool character. So Jolene, the main character uh, who is named after the uh, Dolly Parton song, actually. Her stand stone free is really cool. Like, it's just a neat ability that like they do interesting things with it. So basically, like. Aside from just being like a strong, fast punching boy, like they all usually are, um, her like unique deal is that 
like her stand kind of manifests itself as like a long thread so she mm-hmm. can like stretch it out over long distances to manipulate things or like uh she can because like she's in prison so like a lot of times the way she'll gather information is to like hold a cup with it and do like an old timey cup <laughs> phone where the sound goes back across the thread and she can hear it which is sure. neat uh just clever shit like that so like she can she can stretch out like over a long distance with it but it's weaker to do that or she can like combine all the threads together and make like a tight weave that can like stop bullets if somebody shoots at her or like obviously it just it can turn into like a dude that punches things for her mm. um so they do interesting things with that and like they kind of show it a few times where like the more thread she puts out, like it starts to unravel her own body so she can actually manipulate that so that like somebody will shoot at her and she'll like pull the fucking threads out of her body so that the bullet goes through her and then like weave things back together. It's fucking wild. It's like the craziest ability. Um, and like, I don't know, ever since stands were first a thing, like, the the first batch was like, hey, there's these big like psychic ghosts that are going to punch each other. Uh, and then from there, they're just like, what's the most insane thing that we can do with this? Oh, like this stand is just like a ghost ship. And like <laughs> when you kill the stand user, the ship just disappears and you're stranded in the ocean. Cool. Um, like weird shit. Uh, there was a stand in part four that's just like um an electrical like power transmission tower but like if you go inside it it traps you and like if you step outside it you turn into bones it, just like fucking weird shit uh so this kind of continues that trend i mean i mean it's no like opening someone's face and reading them like a book yeah heaven's door is the best so Jolene has stone free or it's just called stone ocean in the localization. One of her companions, uh, is like her stand is called kiss. Uh, and like the whole deal is like, she gets little stickers that she can put on things that like, it'll duplicate the item so she can like stick it on like an opponent and they grow like an extra appendage. But then mm-hmm. when the stickers removed, it causes the two to snap back together and causes damage. So she can like duplicate the bars on her cell and then like wait for somebody to walk between them and pull the sticker off and it slams together on them and just like kills them, uh, which is a pretty crazy power. There's one that is called Goo Goo Dolls, which has like the power to shrink things down. Sure. And like cause them to regrow. I don't know. Like there's uh there's some interesting ones. And then the. uh the villain uh, is a stand user whose stand is called White Snake uh, or Pale Snake in the, the localized version, which is not it doesn't feel good to say Pale Snake. Uh, of course it doesn't. Because that just sounds like a penis. <laughs> it's just a penis. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I'm having fun with it. I, I can't wait till there's more. Well, there you go. Yeah, I don't want to get into the plot too much, I guess, but uh, the stand abilities are fun to talk about. Well, I'm glad you're having fun. Yeah.
Uh, and that's it. All right. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we will be back to talk about our main review topic for the week, Elves. April 1st, 2022 will mark the 10-year anniversary of the biggest professional wrestling bout of all time. And at long last, Julio has agreed to travel into the bowels of the beast that is sports entertainment. In the Contrarian's first ever Patreon-exclusive miniseries, we'll be deep-diving the complex story of what was billed as once-in-a-lifetime, The Rock vs. John Cena. Join us as we cover the fictional and real rivalry that led to the biggest money match in the history of an industry while paralleling the movie careers of John Cena and Dwayne Johnson. Part 1 will look at the careers of The Rock and John Cena leading into 2011, including their early entries in the world of acting with The Rundown and The Marine. Part 2 will see The Rock's return to the world of professional wrestling after seven years away as he challenges John Cena to a match in the main event of WrestleMania 28. We'll discuss the year-long build as well as the movies that came from it, Fast Five and The Reunion. In Part 3, we'll recap the infamous Summer of Punk, the legendary John Cena vs. CM Punk WWE title match from Money in the Bank 2011, and the UFC veterans' foray into out-of-ring acting, Girl on the Third Floor. The Contrarians travel back in time to Miami, Florida in Part 4 for the history-making, record-breaking bout between two of the biggest stars in entertainment and follow it up with the WWE-produced once-in-a-lifetime documentary. And in the finale, we'll look at the fallout and legacy of the feud and match as well as the men's recent work in the world of acting with 2018's Skyscraper and 2021's Vacation Friends. Part 1 drops on December 20th. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash contrarianprime today to select your tier. Just a $1 subscription will get you access. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get our main review topic for the week. Elves. Uh, Elves is a drama fantasy horror series uh, from Netflix. It is a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, A Christmas vacation turns into a nightmare for a horrible family who comes to (laughs) this remote island uh, where they let loose a bunch of dangerous animals and kill the indigenous uh, population there. and just leave a trail of dead bodies in their wake. Uh, Dan, what did you think about these terrible kids and their stupid parents? Yes. Uh, so I actually thought that was the IMDb synopsis because that's normally what you read. Uh, apparently that is not. That was your own synopsis. Did IMDb not have a synopsis? Uh, they did. I I added some words. Oh, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that family sucks. Uh, overall, the show is... It's... Eh. 
5. 5.5 is correct. That is yeah. the correct rating. <laughs> uh, it's it's okay. I think it's very badly paced. I think that's the big thing that I have a problem with is like because the first three episodes like they're they're all 20 minutes apiece. Like it feels like you could have told all that in an episode and a half instead mm-hmm. of trying to set up all this shit for a, a two hour long series that uh, you're clearly trying to make a, a sequel second season to. Yeah. There's a lot of things in here that I like, but it falls into the the trap that like a lot of indie kind of horror stuff does where you don't have a likable character to attach yourself to. So you don't care what happens to any of these people. Like, imagine these if these people, these were the people in Midnight Mass, like we wouldn't have cared about that show. Right. Been like, oh, just, you know, eat everybody. We don't care. Right. But yeah, yeah, I, I was actually I was actively rooting against like pretty much everybody because everyone does yeah. something that makes them horribly, horribly. Well, I mean, like the two characters that aren't horribly unlikable are the brother and the brother's love interest. Those are the two ones that I'm like, uh, yeah. I mean, you're OK. And, and they're the, the two characters that are kind of just there. And that's why I don't have a problem with them is because they just exist and like they don't do anything offensive. They ju- they're just there. I, I hate the girl for being stupid. I hate the old woman for trying to kill the girl for being stupid. Uh, I hate the parents for just. They're so terrible at raising children and being human beings that do things. Yeah. I don't know. There's like a hilariously ineffective guy who is like. I guess the warden who keeps all of the elves contained uh, who just like as soon as there's a the tiniest like bit of challenge, his entire plan just goes to shambles and like he just gets continuously more and more fucked up the whole time. Yep. Uh, And your leg, it's caught in a bear trap. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing I didn't like was that there never felt like there were and eventually we find this out, but like there, it never felt like there were stakes. Like it felt like everybody was safe all the entire time. And that's pretty much true. Like who, who dies in this that we actually cared about? Uh, grandma, I guess like she's the only care, like the mm. only character that dies. Anders. I mean, he, he, he was just dumb and hung around too long. Yeah. I don't care about how, the cow, I, yeah, I was actually emotionally attached to the cow. I'm like, how dare you kill this cow? Don't you do this to this poor cow? It didn't deserve anything. But yeah, uh, I don't have much more to say. I I don't want to watch the second season if they make it, because this was probably made for a nickel. I will say, puppet effects. They used a lot of puppets. Really enjoyed yeah. that. That's uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Like, I, I like the creature effects, like the elves themselves. Uh, it's a neat design. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it's a clever concept to which, like, I don't know if that's tied to Scandinavian folklore, but like they kind of emerge from the earth uh, and are like kind of like trees or like tree roots that become animate and like walk around and do stuff. Yeah, Um, I really like the kind of herky jerky motions that they do where they're not like nothing about them is fluid. They kind of like shamble and do like the weird like zombie walk a bit. Right. 
The other neat thing is like they do look like elves, like the elves you normally think of, but like in this kind of bastardized way. So like it takes yeah. what the mythology of elves are and like kind of flips it on his head. So instead of like a pointy hat, they just have like heads that taper up. Right. Which uh, also makes them more plant like in appearance. So, yeah, uh, they they did use CG at a couple points for the creatures, uh, mainly on like the baby. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it wasn't bad because like they show that close up and stuff like it would be hard to yeah. do it with a puppet. Yeah, there's the one there's the scene where it's like digging in the ground and it's like that's very hard to do with a puppet. Like also where it's like running up to to her, like when it, whenever you see it, like freely moving. It's like that's a, that's next to impossible to do with a puppet. But I didn't hate it. I, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. you you wrote yourself into a corner with this. You use CGI. It doesn't look terrible. So hooray. Yeah. Uh, what would you rate this? Um, like a like a two. I mean, and mostly for the creature design, uh, it, it's just so poorly written and paced that uh, I, I found myself on my phone quite a bit. Yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it two and a half. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, and that'll bring us into a patron requested review uh, from Chris Yaney for Mard Kadard Nahin Hota, the man who feels no pain. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. This is an action comedy from Bollywood. It's a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It is the story of a young boy, Surya, who has a rare condition of congenital insensitivity to pain, meaning he cannot feel pain, and he sets out to learn martial arts and hunt down muggers. That's the best IMDb description ever, because that's exactly what the movie is. Uh, This is written and directed by Vasan Bala, and stars Abhimanyu Dasani, Raditi (laughs) Madan, and Mahesh Manjrekar. Manjrekar. Got there eventually. I am stunned at 7.4. That is uh, <laughs> generous. Hey, people in other countries also use IMDb. That's true. But yeah, I look at that and I go, uh, I don't know about that. Look, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of stupid. It's also pretty long. It's over two hours for it, it, it an is action pretty comedy. long. That's and that's like the weakest thing about it is that like so there's like, I don't know, I. I've been listening to a podcast a lot, which like I've been listening to them for a long time, but uh, it's called the Mysterious <laughs> Old Radio Listening Society, where they yeah. just like listen to and review old like old classic radio serials. Uh, so like they always talk about the concept of like getting to the castle. Like if you promise that your story takes place in like a haunted castle, you want to get to the castle so that we can do it. And this movie doesn't get to the castle fast enough. Right. Like they give me the concept that like, oh, this guy is basically kick ass. His nerve endings don't work uh, and he's going to fight 100 people. And you tell me that. And then I watch him uh, wear a weird helmet and goggles and like drink water from a backpack for an hour. Yeah. 
Yeah, that the the hour long setup to get us to the martial arts part of the movie was <laughs> a bit of an ask because once we got to the martial arts, like it's obviously stylized, like it's it, it's super campy, but like it's also entertaining. Yeah. Um, I don't dislike this movie. It's fun. No. It's it's as over the top as I wanted it to be. Um, I like his grandpa a lot who is yeah. like kind of cause his dad's just overwhelmed. He's like, I got this weird kid who like can't feel pain and therefore can't empathize with people and thinks that he's like a superhero. But like the, the granddad actually like takes it upon himself to kind of train the kid a bit and like gets him into movies and like the concept of being a hero, I guess. Mm. But he's like, this is, you know, this is your water backpack because like the kid, he can't feel pain. He can't tell if he gets injured. Uh, so like he also can't tell like if he's like dying of dehydration. So yeah. he has to constantly drink water to keep himself in fighting shape. So he's like, this is your water backpack. This is like your Bruce Lee's nunchuck or like Batman's batarang or, you know, whatever. Mm. Like this is your this is your super weapon against evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a dumb fun movie. It's too long. It's, but it, I like it's it. It's too long. Yeah. I, I mean, when we get to the the fun campy shit, that's when it really takes off. Like there there's this scene where like he's lo- losing his fighting energy because he hasn't drank water in a while. And he notices some boiling water over on uh, over on a table. He fucking throws it on some dudes and then starts chugging it just because, you know, <laughs> he can't feel pain. So fuck it. He just chugs boiling yeah, water. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like there's uh, like he he starts learning karate or like his childhood friend learned karate from uh, a guy with one leg who uh, he just calls karate man. Hmm which is hilarious, but like the dude's name is Monty. So they do a song about show me the Monty, uh, which is hilarious and stupid. And they eventually just start calling karate Monty. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, we said it all. I, I enjoyed my time whenever it, it decided it wanted to be a, a martial arts action movie, but it takes entirely too long to get to being a martial arts action movie. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it also does a lot where like the movie lies to us. So it'll like show us mm. the scene twice of how he's like visualizing it in his head. And then it'll show us like what actually happens, which is like way less dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I like that or not, because like there, there's this one fight scene that looks super awesome. And you're like, holy fuck, this is great. And then it turns out that it didn't actually happen. And then it's like still an okay fight scene, but less fun. Like, I, I guess I just wanted to continue being over the top the entire time instead of just like, no, hey, here's an over over the top bit. But now we're going to get kind of serious with how we do it. Yeah. But I mean, like, there's a reason for them to do it, because like, you know, the kid grew up thinking that he was like this crazy superhero, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's like about him being like, it's about him entering the real world, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what would you rate this movie? Mm, uh, two and a half. 
Uh, I'm going to go actually pretty a pretty solid three on this one. There you go. All right. Uh, so what are we doing next week on the show, Dan? Uh, good question. So originally I had a schedule for The Witcher, but then I remembered that The Witcher uh, comes out on Friday uh, and we we're going to have Sam Hurley on. And I was like, wait, I can't possibly make him do all of that in a weekend. So uh, that got moved to the following week uh, and I removed don't look up from the schedule. So you're welcome. Uh, so in, now <laughs> I, I have nothing. Well, I picked elves, so uh, it's only fair for you to get to pick. I mean, also, to be fair, I pick everything. So. You you get these random moments throughout the year where I'm like, ah, and then you just go, fuck it. We'll watch elves again. <laughs> yeah, we could. Oh, actually, you know what? You know, what we should do instead is actually the uh, the series Hellbound. Yeah, I'm into that. I, uh, I actually watched the first episode and uh, yeah, it's not bad so far. All right. And uh, uh, it's only six episodes, but they're like 40 minutes to an hour each. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll do that. that. And then uh, on the back half, we have a patron requested review from Paul for Snowpiercer, which uh, I have seen. You haven't. Uh, I am interested to hear what you think. I don't know. It's a train that goes around the world. I don't know why the train has to go around the world, but I guess they'll probably explain it a bit nick uh do, do us a favor don't complain about the train going around the world in 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 a tweet we we know we we know you don't think it's realistic it's fine i love you all right uh tell them tell them stuff dan you can find the show at Netflix and Swill.com. If you want to stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, uh, check out our Patreon page where you can contribute to us at any dollar value uh, and get things uh, like our love, our kindness, our generosity. And yeah. Uh, also, uh, that's uh, uh, review us. That's it. That's what I wanted to say. Review us on, on the podcast platforms. It'd be great. We'd appreciate it. Uh, it would it does something. I don't know what it fucking does. It just does something. So just do it. Everyone's like, hey, it lets people see me on the charts. And then other people are like, no, it doesn't. And then it's like, OK, well, then what are they for? If you can explain what reviews are for, it'd be great. But do them. Do it. Uh, it makes us feel good. I guess. So, yeah, do it. Uh, I don't care after that. Uh, you know, one star. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Yeah, maybe we'll make it into a T-shirt. Yeah. Be funny. All right. Well, until next week, uh, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, which I almost forgot to mention. <laughs> and this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. 
The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swole family.